The Ringer Gambling Feed is your one-stop shop for all things betting throughout the NFL season from week one all the way through Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. We have you covered every which way. We got our favorite futures. We got props. We'll discuss the lines. And of course, we'll throw in a few parlays. That's a given. So whether you're a sharp or a square better, we'll be breaking it down in terms hopefully everybody can understand and we'll try to win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Gambling Feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Extra Point Taken. I'm Ben Solak, which is not typically the voice you hear at the top of this show. You usually hear Shokopadia, but Shil's not, do, not feeling too well. He's sick, so he's off today, getting healthy for the holidays. We wish him all, all the best, as I'm sure he listens to this and bemoans my introduction. Uh, you can't replace Shokopadia with just one man. I've always said that. That's just science. You have to do it with two. So I brought on for the show today uh, the dual threat, the Brady and Belichick of podcasting. I don't know which one's which. Ben! <laughs> No, Prince Yanni and Stephen Ruiz. All right, well, the, the, the 2000s, the best football duo. That's what I was thinking of there. Not like prime era Brady Belichick. No, I want to be Stephen. I want to be Belichick now. I want to be the, 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 <laughs> the loser <laughs> Belichick. That's like mean. Nora, would you like to be Brady now? Would you like to be straight off of just endorsing like, FTX just, Brady? Just endorsing fraudulent cryptocurrency schemes yep. and ripping off Gardner Minshew takes. <laughs> right, exactly. just, on instagram all the that's football my is that's bad my these vibe. days yes okay I, I when i was when i said it i was thinking prime brady belichick now i realize yes no it is current brady belichick nor prince and steven ruiz the usual host of dual threat on the feed very graciously hopped on to help me out so what we're gonna do today uh is we're gonna do kind of the extra point taken show the usual friday preview show not really for those who care very deeply about mine and shields competition we'll be updating you on picks and and my picks on those uh later in the show for now, we do have an unbelievable slate of games to preview. By unbelievable, I both mean it's excellent, and also it's happening for so many days. The whole weekend. There are three straight days in which there are multiple games. Both the 23rd Saturday, the 24th Sunday, and then Christmas Monday. Which, I understand why they're doing this, but this is maybe the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Like, just in terms of my life and my desire to, like, get a break from football. It's a lot of football over Christmas weekend. And so uh, it's an unbelievable slate of games for that reason. But also, we have uh, on Monday at 8 o'clock, Niners-Ravens, which I don't know about you guys. To me, this is the regular season game I've been most excited for, like, all year. It's all I, I want. Agree. It's all I want to see this weekend. I don't yeah. even want to see beautiful- my family. I just want to see the game. <laughs> Ravens Niners is worthy of Christmas. I don't know if if Tommy DeVito is worthy of Christmas, but Ravens Niners is worthy of Christmas. Yes, and it's 8:15 too, and so it's going to be like it was a long day. There's going to be moms and dads who woke kids up kids woke them up at 6 a.m. and they ate a big meal and all they want to do is fall asleep early. And the NFL's like, "No, you will stay up until 11:15 to watch this game and you will <laughs> like it." The East Coast dads give me a tough one for the East Coast dads. Uh Here's what I want to do for the for the A block games. Uh, what I'm going to do is I want to pitch to you the best possible game script for the upcoming dual threat Monday show for the recap show. Which is it coming out Monday night that your show will be or no? Is it coming out Sunday? So it's going to come out Sunday. So okay. we're not going to comment on those games. <laughs> You're but not going to we'll comment on that Ravens. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch to you guys the optimal script, and then for when we do later 
Cowboys Dolphins. This one will actually work because or honestly, Ben, this is amazing because you're probably just saving us some work. I'm yeah. sure these will be so inspired. We can just we'll cut and paste. We'll just throw it up on the feed there right. Tuesday morning. Send no one will there. know the difference. Here's what I think we're going to get Niners Ravens. And this is just particularly designed to ruin Steven's life. Uh, Ravens defense dominates the three and a half <laughs> quarters, right? We're just talking like Purdy's head is in a blender. Cal Shanahan's screaming on the sidelines. He's missing throws. Ravens are up like 14 to three, 17 to three. He's looking nice. They're putting together long, long running drives, eating the clock. And then with like eight minutes left, Purdy engineers like back to back, beautiful statement drives, true MVP winning, award winning. He's the greatest quarterback ever drives that are mostly just like Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel making great plays. But that's how they get framed. And Steven has to hop on the pod and be like, after he beats, Purdy beats the Ravens, saves the night. Like, oh, the Niners are the best regular season team, embarrasses Mike McDonald. Steven has to come on the pod and be like, actually, no, he's still bad. And then has to deal with the, the, uh, the, the uh the was it last backlash i was i was thinking lashback the backlash of that for like weeks on end that to, me is, that to me is my optimal niners ravens game steven hey in, any interest in that no not at all and i'm already thinking about like what my argument would be i'd be like okay th- why were they still in the game why was he if he had such a bad first three quarters how is he still in the game and able to to engineer these comebacks uh or these drives so that would be my response but no i think that's very much on the table i'm not I'm not going to sit here and act like I think the Ravens are going to dominate Brock Purdy and like he's going to get exposed or something. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's been playing well. And I think the argument like people that like me have been making is that the people around him, the sporting cast, the play calling and all that has just kind of propped him up a little bit and people are embellishing his strength. That's all. That's all I'll say about yeah. him. I don't think that's going to get exposed anytime soon because he still has those things around him. Steve, in the universe in which the Ravens have a good day against the Niners offense, like win or lose. If we walk away from that game and be like, okay, the Niners were dropping 30 on cats and they only had like 17 in this game. They had like a, a, a mid game. What do you think it is that Mike McDonald did, right? If you're sitting here at, uh, on Friday prognosticating, I tell you, Hey, on Monday, Ravens have, a, have the best defensive performance. We have, we've seen this pretty Christian McCaffrey era of the Niners, like 20 games at this point. Nobody's really like fully gotten them without some injuries on the back end. And the, the Niners don't have that right now. What is it you think that Mike McDaniel will have done? Uh, I think it's the same conversation we were having after they played the Bengals in the wild card game last year, or when they've given the Bengals troubles anytime. And I think mm-hmm. those those are two different offenses, Cincinnati's offense and San Francisco's offense. But the way you have to kind of disrupt them is similar, and that's changing the picture after the snap, presenting one thing before the ball is snapped, and showing them another thing after the ball is snapped. And like it's impossible to find a split where Purdy looks bad. Trust me, I've, I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> That's all I do. I, I stay up at night until 3 a.m. trying to expose. No, I'm joking. I did wake up to a text from Steven one morning this week that was like, yo, you need to look at these tight window stats. And I was like, Steve, <laughs> go to bed, dude. Sleep. Go to bed. But anyway, like the one stat where he kind of struggles is when teams change the picture on him. When they go from two high safeties before the snap to one high safety after. And when they play zone, when they play cover three, because if they play cover one, it doesn't matter if his eyes are in the wrong spot because he has a matchup anywhere. If they're playing man coverage across the board, he's going to find a matchup. But if it's zone, then that doesn't it doesn't really work like that. And that's when he's kind of made his mistakes. That's when he's thrown into coverage. And the Ravens just so happen to be the best team in the NFL at doing that. And this that's by a, the numbers, by EPA. Mm-hmm. This is a pro ahead, Mike Norm. McDonald podcast. I, I want to make that yep. very clear. But if that happens, if the Ravens defense ends up limiting the Niners in a way that we haven't really seen this season. Do you think we come out of it talking about 
the game plan, talking about the scheme, talking about the coordinator? Or do you think we come out of it going, Kyle Hamilton, Roquan, Patrick Queen, middle of the field defense for this right. Ravens team is, is That's something a good else. Point. That's it's a good always, point. Because yeah, I think Kyle's going to be a big The answer part of can it. be both. Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, I think it will it, be both. I think it's always six of one half dozen of the other. I remember when the Dolphins played the Niners last year, right? And when we were like, no one has slowed down the Dolphins offense. Like, this was crazy. And then it was like, all right, well, they worked the middle of the field so well. And the Niners have Fred Warner. Like, the Niners can be able to do something that, that might, they might be able to stop them in a way that no other defense really could. And then they had a great game against them. Fred played awesome. We were like, all right, took away the middle of the field. They were, they were taking away all the timing routes. But they have Fred, right? And then the next week, the Chargers went out there and put out the same game plan with no Fred and had success, right? And so while I do think that, like, if the Ravens are successful, Kyle Hamilton's going to be an enormous part of it. Roko's going to be an enormous part of it. There still is value to showing to the other 30 teams in the league, hey, like this is how you would do it if you had the guys that we have. You might need to figure out a different way to do it, but this is what it would look like. And you, like, again, I'm trying to avoid using the word blueprint because blueprint drives me nuts. But it starts to establish like, OK, if you can take away X and Y and Z falls away, then you force them into like playing this sort of game. You force them into being a check down team. You force them into being like a go ball on the outside team. You kind of just make the Niners be a little bit of a square peg in a round hole. That's what you can show if you have a good defensive performance, even if you don't have like the personnel for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I think McDonald is so good that his game plans kind of stick out beyond the talent he has. Like they'll do like the Bengals game last year. I can't get out of my head. Like they changed the techniques and how they play coverage so much that like you could see it. And I think a lot of people will be pointing at this stuff out and like pointing out how they disrupted the 49ers offense. Though. Mm-hmm. So, and I think the fact that it's an island game is really going to help. Like that 49ers Dolphins game was at four o'clock and not everybody watched it. Most people watched it, but maybe half the country didn't. I think in this case, the whole country is going to be tuned in and see it. And it's going to be something they talk about. I think Mike McDonald's been one of the better assistant coaches in the NFL. I think he's going to be one of the top head coaching candidates in the offseason. And I think whoever's broadcasting that game is going to spend some time on that. So I do think he's going to get his proper credit. Yeah. If it happens, I don't know if it's, I don't right. think it's going to happen, but if it happens. Uh, Nora, other side of the ball, Baltimore Ravens are holding it, 49ers defense defending it. Uh, Niners are big, uh, rush with four team. The Ravens are big. If you rush with four, we're going to let Lamar hang around back here for about nine, 10 minutes. He's going to have a couple of coffee. He's going to dance around a little bit, 30 yard throw to Isaiah Likely. Uh, this is the sort of defense that I look at Lamar typically being really successful against, especially because when you get just like, light boxes or we're gonna play too high the ravens say okay we'll just we're just gonna run it and we have the ultimate math adjuster you think the ravens can keep pace with the niners if this becomes a high scoring affair if the niners are dropping 30 35 on the way they've been doing you think the niners the the ravens can keep pace with that so i i think we'll get to the picks part later in my heart of hearts i'm a little i i don't know if i'd quite go there but the thing that i am hoping for is that this is a real Lamar completely on one game. And the thing that I'm curious about if that happens is how much it's going to involve him running the ball. Uh, He's averaging 53 rushing yards per game, which is the lowest since his rookie year by more than 10 yards per game. But this 49ers defense, as as you've said, that's not really what they typically sell out to stop. And they gave up 50 yards on the ground to Kyler Murray last week. Lamar's a more threatening player in that mode than than Kyler. And so I'm really curious even though I've liked the elements of, of this Ravens offense that have involved Lamar running with the ball a little bit less, scrambling to throw maybe a little bit more and, and just emphasizing the passing game. 
I'm curious if this ends up being a game where he just says, like, screw it. This is vintage Lamar. Mm-hmm. He's using his legs. He's doing everything. And I think that's the that's the world in which, one, we get an awesome game. It's Christmas night. Everyone's dialed in. And two, where they can really keep pace with this, this 49ers offense, which heart of hearts, I probably trust a little bit more to, to score a whole bunch of points. But if the Ravens do it, it's because Lamar has an absolute statement game. Yeah, I think especially with, with Keaton Mitchell going down, right? So now they're down Mark Andrews, they're down Hate Keaton it. Mitchell. Hate but it. Mitchell, it blows. And like Mitchell wasn't a big name and like, oh, he's RB3, but he was an important player for them because he was like a walking explosive play, right? He was like, uh, okay, we're going to do this little gimmicky play action, little bubble thing. We're going to pick up 13 yards. That's such a handy player to have. And they lose him. And then Ronnie Stanley has been kind of in and out of the lineup. And so now you're dealing with, okay, we lost a back. And then we also lost a tackle on a pass protector. And we're going up against this front. And it's like, okay, well, Keaton was your get rid of the ball quick guy. Ronnie was your blindside protector, erase chase young guy. Uh, they're both handy dudes to have when you face this Niners uh, uh, defensive line. Yeah, this isn't a Lamar Atlas game for sure. It's like the whole world is on your back in this one. I do think that like as important as Lamar is when he's holding the ball, the threat of Lamar is important because this would be an awesome game to just be able to give the ball to Gus Edwards 20 times and just be able to say, we are going every drive we have. We are going to sit on this thing. We are going to take at least five minutes. And, and like that makes your margin smaller. You got to go get seven when you're down there. But this is not a good run defense for the Niners, right? They're a bottom eight run defense by success rate, by EPA per drive. They have been all season. Like no one can actually punish this because you can't stay in a good game script long enough to actually be able to run the ball. But with Lamar adding that extra number, if I'm, if I'm Baltimore, I'm like, listen, I, of course I want to be throwing like 50 yards and like every Lamar MVP moment, like incredible plays. But I also kind of want to just let the Niners only have eight drives this game. And so sitting on this thing, and they're, and they're well-equipped to do that, can like probably help out. Uh, you did say, yeah, Nora, we're going to get to picks here. I am curious. Uh, this is a five-and-a-half-point line, right, is, is where, where we got to. The Niners are at home. Like Steven said, it's an island game. This is on Christmas night. The Niners are pretty substantial favorites. They've taken money pretty much all week as well. Uh, Steve, Nora, I'll start with you, Nora. Who do you think wins this? How much do you think they win it by? I think the 49ers win it. I think they win it by... I, I guess I'm sort of I'm voting for the best possible game here. I suppose they could win it by by seven if it's a last minute touchdown. Yeah, you got a little little twenty seven twenty. Little what what's the final score? Yeah, I like it. Twenty seven twenty feels good to me. Steven, where are you at? I'm gonna pick the Ravens. Yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick go my jaw up off the floor. <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna pick I'm gonna go twenty one seventeen. I think it's a Mike McDonald game. I think Lamar looks good within the context of his environment. I think he is the clear MVP after this. Maybe this is cope. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. I'm picking the Ravens. I think they, I think they're going to win the game. Yeah. I would love for that to happen. If that happens, I think we have some really interesting conversations across the board. I also think it would be very handy for that to happen because right now when people ask me like, Hey, Niners, how do they get stopped in the NFC? How do they not make the Super Bowl? I'm like, well, if Dak has his best game ever, right? If the Eagles run the ball 400 times like right now like it's very hard to lay it out and i think that the easiest way to lay it out would be to actually see it like i gotta see someone do something here against this offense i don't i don't care what happens on monday night they're making the super bowl regardless the ravens have nothing to do with that in my yeah mind. they're making the super bowl I, I i would love a super bowl preview right here this would be a mm-hmm. very fun game especially because i think if we're if we're banking on the young man mike mcdonald to stop this offense 
I would like for him to get two cracks at it. And so it would be handy if he could get a look here, you know, get surprised by some stuff, lose some stuff, and then circle back in February and have, 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 have a little bit of experience dealing with this offense. I think the, the Niners win it. I do think it is lower scoring than, than people expect. I think it's like a 26-17, 27-17 sort of a thing. I think that you're going to see this game slow down. You see a lot of running of the football. And we're not going to necessarily get like the fireworks from the quarterbacks that we want. Um, but fortunately, we have other games for that. We're going to do some advertisements. And then we're going to come back and talk Dolphins Cowboys. As the weather gets cold, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 Moneyline bet wins. This week, I do like the Bears, minus 4.5 at home against the Cardinals. Packers, minus 4.5 on the road against the Panthers. Browns, minus 2.5 on the road against the Texans. And the Patriots, plus 6.5 against the Broncos. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet. Live same-game parlays, finding bets in the new Explore tab, diving into the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNFL and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Hello, welcome back. I love ad breaks. I'm so good at them. I love hosting so much. It's the bomb. Dolphins Cowboys. This is actually a Sunday game. So you guys will be talking about this on the show. It's a four o'clock game. Uh, it is in Miami. We have ourselves some injuries. Okay. Uh, both Zach Martin and Tyron Smith uh, did not practice on Thursday. We don't know what they're doing yet on Friday. Tyron Smith had a back issue pop up. So we might have the, the two best Cowboys offensive linemen out. Which is never great. Let me read for you the Dolphins practice report on Thursday. Uh, three non-participants, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson, and Raheem Mostert. So again, that's two starting offensive linemen. And then limited participants include Devon A. Shane, Teron Armstead, Tyree Kill, Xavier Howard, Javon Holland, Liam Eichenberg, Cater Kohu, Emmanuel Ogba, Jalen Ramsey, Durham Smythe, Cam Smith, and Andrew Van Ginkle. So that's what they're dealing with in Miami. This team just cannot stay healthy. Here's the game that I'd like to, to, to give for you guys. I think this is our fireworks game. I think this is our game where it's it's banana stuff. Offensively, you have a Shanahan disciple and Mike McDaniel uh, for the Dolphins against Dan Quinn, the defense coordinator for the Cowboys. Now, as Richard Sherman very famously told us, Kyle Shanahan loves the Dan Quinn defense. Big fan of the Dan Quinn defense. Huge fan of how he knows what he's playing on every single snap. Thinks that's great. Think that's very quaint. Uh, this is the sort of, of, of team. And if you've watched the Cowboys struggle against the run the last few weeks, struggle to tackle the last few weeks, this is the sort of game where uh, Tua can have like a time to throw of 0.6 and everything is just behind the line of scrimmage or t- 12 yards down the field because Tyree kills fast enough. And then they're just running scot-free in this secondary. I think this is an enormous, enormous offense performance by the Dolphins. And then accordingly, I think it's Dak Prescott's job to keep this thing uh, at pace, starting to be able to keep pace with the Dolphins offense. And I think he can do it for mu- much of the game, for a good part of the game. This, but this Dolphins offense, or excuse me, this Dolphins defense has been really good uh, over the course of the stretch, especially since they got Jalen Ramsey back. So I think we're at a 34-27 fourth quarter. Dak Prescott has a potential game-winning drive in his hands, pushing the ball down the field. He gets to about midfield, the Dolphins 40, first and 10, second and 10, third and 10, and then a fourth and 10. He throws like a Brandon Cooks quasi-drop interception, like hits him on enough hands. You can claim it's a drop if you want. 
But if you want to do anti-DAC bad faith discourse, you can claim it wasn't a drop. And it pops in, in, in Javon Holland's awaiting uh, bets and the Dolphins win it. I think that's the game that we're getting. They're getting fireworks, last minute drive. Uh, Nora, do you like my pitch? No, I hate it. This is so, <laughs> I like the fireworks part. I hate the like, the, the every sports talk show, hours and hours and hours of did Dak choke content that's nothing not better than ambiguous Dak Prescott moving goalpost discourse after an overall great Dak season Prescott of Dak situation I actually expressly do not want that I cannot believe that you were trying to, to intermingle this with my Christmas holiday Christmas um, gift Dak Prescott hands game to Dolphins <laughs> late in Hard Rock Stadium <laughs> no no I hate it uh I, I like the idea of this is a high scoring game um I think that would be fun uh, normally I would tell you, I, I, I really like this Dolphins defense and, and would expect them to have a better result than that, but we d- have no idea who's playing and it seems like 90% of them are hurt. So mm. I, I like the pick. I like the prediction. The thing that I'm really curious about is, is when the Dolphins have the ball, as you said, can uh, maybe you're being a tad hyperbolic with the, uh, 0.6 seconds time to throw for Tua might, might not be such a stretch. Uh, and we've seen this uh, this Cowboys defense struggle a little bit recently, but a lot of that has been against the run and especially against like inside downhill head full of steam type runs and, and run games. That is not the Dolphins. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dolphins offensive line, but they are attempting to be a playoff contender essentially without one. The Dolphins are sort of post-offensive line, so everything goes to the perimeter. And so it's different than what they dealt with with the Bills. It's different from where they've been struggling. Um, so I- I'm just curious <laughs> to see the Dolphins really test the limits because mm-hmm. this is still, I mean, Micah Parsons wasn't awesome last week, but this is still a Cowboys defense that can get after a quarterback and pressure quarterback. Uh, how far can we take this? How yeah. far post-offensive line is it possible to be? Can Tua getting rid of the ball so, so fast? Can this Dolphins running game really just trying to work the outsides? Is that solid? Is that stable? And can it take advantage of the Cowboys defense as it's currently playing and, and have some of the same issues come up again? I don't know the answer to that, but that's the thing that I'm really interested to see happen because I think it it will say a lot about the Dolphins more long-term chances yeah I it's funny we like to talk about strength on strength this is week on week because you have that Dolphins interior against a Cowboys interior that'll probably be missing Jonathan Hankins again right and that's the the run stuffing defensive tackle who was very evidently absent against the Buffalo Bills we're just watching that Bills offense being like why is this happening? And then you realize the Cowboys don't have Jonathan Hankins out there and they just don't have another defensive tackle over 300 pounds who can play right now, right? Rookie Mozzie Smith, they were hoping would be that. He hasn't been that. And so they're really liable up front. The other thing about that run defense, they're right, Nora, like all that run to the perimeter. If we use some of these Niners games uh, that Shanahan has played against the Cowboys over the years as an example, and certainly McDaniel was on uh, uh, the, those staffs in the past, uh, they love Michael Parsons on the edge. Because they just unblock him and show him eye candy, right? They just they just leave him unblocked and they send one guy to speed at him this way, the other guy speed at him this way, and they say, well, we can't block you, so we're just going to put you in conflict, right? And then we're going to put the ball where you're not. And Parsons can handle that better than I think a lot of individual defensive players can. Uh, but still, it's very challenging to do against this Dolphins 
overall team speed. Steve, when you look at Cowboys defense without Hankins and with the way they played, I think last few weeks, you have to remember, like they had the Seattle game, you know, like there's this has not been a uh, there's not just a one off against Buffalo. You concern as concerned as I'm about them against this Dolphins offense. I'm concerned in the passing game. I'm not so concerned about the running game. Uh, to Nora's point, when they've struggled in the run game, it hasn't just been downhill. It's also been, there's been like a read option element. Like they made Josh Dobbs. It's a game that's easy to forget. But in September, they made Josh Dobbs and the Cardinals look like the 2019 Ravens. It's not a game that's easy to forget because I bet on the Cowboys live four times in the second half. <laughs> How'd that go? Really poorly. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you had the same effect with Josh Allen and the Bills, and the Bills started using Josh Allen more as a runner uh, since Joe Brady's taken over. Uh, I'm not so concerned about that with the uh, with the Dolphins. I don't think two is a threat to pull the ball and run and go 50 yards with it. And I also, my question is, who is the running back in this game for the Dolphins? Like, who's the main running back? Who's the guy that you could run in between the tackles? Because a lot of their guys, to Norris' point again, they attack the perimeter with them. They want to get A-chain. They want to get Mostert out to the edge and around the corner. They don't want them cutting back. They don't want them running downhill. So I'm not concerned there. And I think like with the perimeter stuff that you kind of mentioned where you leave Parsons unblocked, the Cowboys play a lot of dime defense. They have guys that can swarm on the second level. It doesn't have to be a big Micah Parsons game. By the way, I was looking at Micah Parsons' like average depth of tackle. You want to guess what it is? He has You're 40 sick, tackles man. on the year. I mean, like, it, is it behind the line of scrimmage? It can't be. It's behind the line of scrimmage. That's he has 40, nuts. <laughs> he has 44 tackles, and his average tackle has come at minus 0.4 yards. That's so obnoxious. It's dude. insane. It's a tackle for loss every time. He's averaging a tackle for loss when he tackles a ball carry. But I think they have the guys on the second level that can swarm. They have like these defensive back, linebacker hybrid types that can help in that area. My question is, what happens when they play cover one? What happens when they when they play cover three? They're going to mm -hmm. be in single high. They're going to try to cover these guys man to man with Stefan Gilmore, who's a good player, but I don't think he can keep up with Waddle or I don't think he can keep up with Hill. I mean, and I think the guys that are on the injury report are going to play this week. I think a, a big majority of them. So I'm not so concerned about that. I honestly think it's a mixture of the two games or the, the two scenarios you guys both laid out. And I think we see a lot of points from the Dolphins. I'm not so sure about the Cowboys. I think we get a bad Dak game, and I think we get a bad Dak discourse week. Why, uh, why a bad Dak game in this one? Is it uh, something with what, Vic what Fangio. Uh, Fangio is doing? Yeah, what in particular it's, do you think is going to give Dak trouble? He's had trouble against Fangio in the past. Like They played the Broncos a couple years ago, and he just had a horrible game. It was one of those games where we were talking about Dak all week long, and it's the safety rotations and how Fangio kind of plays with a quarterback's mind, and he shows him one thing. It's kind of the same discussion as the, the Brock Purdy one we had in the last segment. I think he's going to, there's going to be a lot on Dak's plate in this game, like you predicted. And I think if it's like a 40 to 50 drop back game with a game script that demands him to push the ball downfield, I think we're going to see a couple of interceptions because you're going to get a couple of reads wrong against a Fangio defense, especially when you're doing it mm -hmm. at that volume. Yeah, it's a, huge heat check moment for that defense because if you look since Ramsey's gone back they've been the best defense in the league they've also played over that stretch of time like multiple quarterbacks who are not real and are no longer employed right like they had a Tim Boyle game man like they they walked through a very very nice schedule to get that uh that high ranking in general this is an enormous uh 
like uh, we're real. We're an actual contender game for both teams, right? Uh, the Dolphins now at this point, very famously, oh, Mike McDaniel hasn't beaten anybody that actually has like, you know, a substantial record, right? They lost to Buffalo. They lost to Philadelphia. They lost to Kansas City. Dallas has had the same issue, right? They obviously they got their win against Philadelphia two weeks ago, but they lost to Buffalo. They've lost to San Francisco. They haven't really had a marquee win yet on the season. The Seattle game, you know, uh, the Eagle game, obviously, but like Seattle, even where they took them to the edge, both of these teams have been criticized by the national media for not having a real win which means one of them is going to win this game and say there it is this is our real win but everybody's going to be able to say well no because they weren't real because they didn't beat anybody so actually you <laughs> still haven't beat anybody we're going to do a whole just well, snake eating its own tail of nobody's actually real uh this i i i think the the pressure is on the dolphins a little bit more heavily than the cowboys dallas still needs to win games to keep the division from from the eagles like there's absolutely still a huge presence on them um but miami's Miami's got a game in week 18 against Buffalo that they would not like to be meaningful. I think that they're terrified of that game being potentially for the division. Uh, and so I think that at home, it's a very big effort for them. I do think the Dolphins win this, which feels weird. It feels squirrely. I know you said a lot of their injuries, like, you know, those guys are going to play. They're missing two offensive linemen, Austin Jackson and uh, 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 Robert Hunt in this game. Like, I'm very worried about Tua's health and safety. I think it's a big, big mismatch. But I just think the team speed is too great. So I think it's like, I, I think a lot it's riding like on jujitsu. Like, yeah. Which, listen, it has been a year for quarterback injuries. And you know who hasn't missed a snap? Tua talking about love, man. Yeah. It has been a year for quarterback injuries and Tua's been healthy. And so he's doing something right. I don't get it, but he's doing something right. Yeah. He, had, he rolled the other day. The, yeah. the last game, he got pushed and he rolled over. It was, it was no, it was I was completely, cool. I was completely serious when I said that. No. Yeah. It's working. Uh, huge up. We should all, all right. At Super Bowl Jiu Jitsu class in Vegas. We're all doing it. We're all learning how to fall. Book it. Uh, Book it. I, uh, I like Dolphins 34 28. Steve, what do you like? Uh, I'm going to go 34 24 Miami. All right. Nora, you're the lone Cowboys believer. 30 20 Dallas. Ooh. Oh, wow. B- big performance for Dan Quinn. Yeah. yeah. That to a game? The last time. The Dolphins scored 20 last time in, in week 11 against the Raiders. What the frick? Oh, yeah. I lost money on this game, too. <laughs> <laughs> had the Dolphins against the spread. They had like three fumbles scoring territory. Now I remember. Excuses. Welcome to the Ben Show, where all we do is talk about ways the Ben shouldn't have lost money in this NFL season. Shield's not here. I'm off the chain. All right. We're going to do more advertisements, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk some Monday morning headlines. Stop laughing at my ad tosses, Nora. Okay, we're back. Uh, Cowboys, Dolphins, and Niners Ravens. To me, the two most impressive and exciting games of this slate. However, there are still fun games. We're going to do some Monday morning headlines where you guys predict, uh, and then I'll also throw in a prediction what it is that we will be talking about on Monday. Obviously, a discourse that will be defined and directed by you guys, leading NFL voices that you are. Uh, Nora, let's have you go first. What do you like for your Monday morning headline this week? Okay, so my Monday morning headline is specifically appearing in the at David Tepper, please pay attention to this. Please make sure you're reading this Times. Okay. And the headline... A classic newspaper to which we all yes, subscribe. everyone's heard of it. The headline is... Sources, colon, personnel around the league discussing awareness of having heard <laughs> that some owners have been told by sources 
that Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson's <laughs> asking price is actually now even more than at or at least around $15 million for a head coach job. Because do you see what he just did for Jared Goff? Live a little David, it's Christmas, per sources. Now, Nora, why would you write a headline like that? So un- un- unreasonable, so unlikely to be a sentence that is construed by a journalist or a writer. That's unbelievable. So here's the thing. Here's what happened. A couple days ago, uh, Josine Anderson reported something similar, which was uh, that the tweet was, I'm told personnel around the league are discussing their awareness that some owners have been told, hashtag Lions, OC Ben Johnson's asking price is at or at least around $15 million a year for a head coach job per source. Uh, it's crazy because I was told the exact same thing verbatim. So <laughs> this tweet made the rounds a little bit. Uh, people uh, having some fun with the syntax, which I agree is bananas. There have been um, some people close to Ben Johnson who have said that this is not true and blah, 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 blah. Here's what I think. First of all, I think this is a great idea. Uh, Whether it's true or not, I think it is a brilliant thing to put out there because here's the thing. You know who is potentially interested in Ben Johnson's services? David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers. You know who is facing an uphill climb to uh, luring the head coach of his choosing? David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers. Do you know who has just an absurd amount of money? David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers. So if I were Ben Johnson, I think this is a great thing to do. I'm not saying he did it. This whole thing seems silly, but I think it would be an excellent strategy to wind up with a lot of money. Uh, Beyond that, Ben Johnson's team, the Detroit Lions, playing the uh, Minnesota Vikings this weekend defensively coordinated by Brian Flores. Jared Goff, the quarterback for the aforementioned Detroit Lions, against Brian Flores' blitz. Historically, not good. Uh, I think we all remember the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl. Also, uh, the Rams faced the Dolphins when Flores was with them in 2020. He sent six or more rushers at Goff 13 times in that game, resulted in two turnovers. Jared Goff has not fared well in these situations in the past. That said, I think right now, the Lions offensively have more talent than this Dolphins, uh, Dolphins, uh, Vikings defense, which has done a remarkable job of I'll I'll play the shield role, doing more with less this year. I I just think that the matchup is a little bit tougher. And I think that if Ben Johnson manages to bolster Goff to the point where he can have a good performance in this situation where he has historically crumbled. I think the narrative coming out of that game, lines are on the road. If they win it, which they very well could do, you know, Nick Mullins on the other side, blah, 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 blah. If they win it and Goff looks good, I think there's going to be a huge narrative about what Ben Johnson has been able to do for him. And if I were Ben Johnson in that situation, just keep cranking the number up. 20? 30? Right. Just go for it. Uh, Nora, that Rams-Patriots Super Bowl is mine and Steven's <laughs> favorite game in history. Do you know why? Uh, because of Jared Goff's performance in it? Yes, but before the performance, Mike Giardi of NFL Network, okay, was doing a hit, and he oh. was talking. Yeah. You're familiar? Oh, I'm, I'm completely familiar. Yes. 
For those who are not, Mike Giardi of NFL Network was doing a hit. Uh, Steve and I did a podcast pretty much exclusively about this hit in the summer. And he said, uh, I was talking to some Patriots players and some Patriots coaches, and they, you know, believe that uh, if they, you know, show Jared Goff some stuff that he hasn't seen, and if they are able to, you know, and, and what he wasn't saying, but what we would later learn what happened is they were, if they changed the picture after the play clock hit 15 seconds and Sean Fay couldn't talk to him anymore. They basically said, if, if, if we confuse Jared Goff, we can make him, and I swear to goodness, Mike Giardi said this in NFL Network, we can make him bleep in his pants. Like he was quoting a guy, but couldn't say the whole thing. And that quote, that standing head interview makes Rams Patriots Super Bowl perhaps the most important game of the 21st century. It, it, uh, it's my favorite report of all time. This is more important than like the, the Watergate scandal, like the, the Washington Post people that invested. This is the most important piece of journalism wait, in the history of the wanna, world. I just want to be, be honest here. I thought you were talking about something completely different. Yes, I do remember this Mike Giardi report. It was fantastic. I'm glad it it meant a lot to you. Uh, I, I'm now realizing that the timing of this wouldn't have made sense. But what I thought you were referring to was the time that Mike Giardi, who, by the way, I used to work with, not work with at the same organization, but we covered the Patriots at the same time. And he is just like an A-plus human being. Uh, Mike Giardi, during a hit, talking about uh, Rob Gronkowski's health, yeah. Slipped up on the phrase bulging disc. And oh. that is my favorite Mike Giardi uh, on air moment of all time. But I, I hear you guys too. That's a good one. Mike Giardi is, I think, mine and Steven's hero at this point, given these the, the, the combined power of these two reports. My, my <laughs> question is, what was the bleep? Because there's two options and I need to know because that's that's very <laughs> uh, important to me. <laughs> it was it was on the second word of bulging disc. No, not yours. No, ours. no. We get, I get that one. I'm talking There's, about when he said he's going to bleep his pants. <laughs> talking number one or number two is what I'm, is, is what I'm asking. <laughs> Our little hybrid coverage. Sure <laughs> this is true reporting. None of it, by the way, all of this is a game that Brian Flores with the Patriots coached against Jared Goff with the Rams almost five years ago at this point. But still, it's a critical, critical It, it does matter. Because, like, game. do you remember the Rams-Dolphins uh, game when he was the coach of the Dolphins and he just zero blitzed them, like, all game long? Yes. And it was like he, he turned it over, like, five times. It's, right. it's, 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 this is bullying. He's been bullying Jared Goff his entire career, and I think it's going to continue. Yeah, so Jared Goff, uh, uh, by success rate, the 15th quarterback against the Blitz. By e-paper drop back, the 16th-ranked quarterback against the Blitz. Uh, Jared Goff is, like, top 10 in both these metrics without the Blitz. Uh, this has been the thing that has hassled him. It's unsurprising that it has. The other thing that I think is really important for Flores against the Lions is not just the blitz aspect, but the drop eight aspect of it. Um, because when you show those guys at the line of scrimmage and then you drop them back, your objective is to put the quarterback in a position where he feels like he has to throw hot. He feels like he has to throw his first read. feels like the ball's coming out of his hands. And when you drop all that coverage underneath those routes, he has the potential to make mistakes and throw the ball directly to defenders. And when I say throw the ball directly to defenders, the quarterback who should come to your mind is Jared Goff. Like that is... Like Goff's interceptions tend not to be like, oh, I was trying to, you know, beat the safety. Like, oh, the outside 50-50 ball. They tend to be like, I blacked out and didn't see a linebacker. And like that's the thing that that Flores is trying to elicit in all quarterbacks. Pretty much trying to make all quarterbacks into Goff. And sometimes he runs into real quarterbacks and he can't. But Goff, he can make into Goff, no problem. Brian Flores is the official defensive coordinator of the quarterback rankings. Because he exposes <laughs> the guppy quarterbacks for who they are. And then he exposes the good quarterbacks. Like when he played Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert just, t just tore him to shreds and tore yep. that, that strategy to shreds. He's the official 
DC of it's the uh it's Brian Flores and Prime Targets on Prime Vision on Thursday night, which highlights open receivers live <laughs> on air. And so you're just seeing a quarterback drop back and he's got three green highlighted targets past the sticks. He's just there like patting the ball. You're like, all right, you are not good. It is the ultimate bad quarterback exposure. The Jalen Hurts graphic so you're talking about. Shush. <laughs> uh okay. Nora, excellent headline. That took us to wonderful places. I was thinking about doing Lions Vikings as, as my headline because if the Lions win this game, they will secure the NFC North and subsequently secure uh, the first home playoff game it, for the Lions in the last over 30 years. The last home playoff game they played was in 92. It was the 1991-92 season. And I was like, all right, they're going to lock it down today, this game. And then I was like, all right, maybe I wa- they haven't played Flores yet. They play him twice in the next three weeks. And then maybe I wait and see if, if they do it uh, a little bit later down the stretch. So, Steve, uh, what is your Monday morning headline for us today? At first, I thought Nora was going to steal my game when she started talking about David Tepper, but I'm going to go with the, uh, the <laughs> Panthers-Packers, and I'm going with Joe Buried. I think this uh, is the, yeah, this is the nice. game where it okay, ends. Good. This is the game where Matt LaFleur finally is like, why have I been doing this for the last three years? Why Joe Barry, of all people? I'm kind of mad because we did our we revisited our take capsule from earlier in the year, and I had picked the Packers to win the NFC North. And at the time, my one concern was was the defensive coordinator and Joe Barry, who has never coordinated like a top 25 defense in his entire career. And he's been at D.C. like for a decade. Very impressive on his behalf. But I think this is the game if he gets picked apart by Bryce Young and that Panthers offense. And it looks how it's looked for the past two weeks where he's given up. uh, I think he's given up conference player of the year two weeks in a row. Tommy DeVito was the first one. Baker Mayfield last week, if he gives this up to Bryce Young and Bryce Young looks comfortable for the first time all season, I think that is the final straw. And I think on Monday we're getting alerts. Joe Barry replaced Joe Barry demoted, whatever it is. I don't think he's calling plays the following week. The, uh, I like how Steven was like, it's one thing to give up conference player of the week to Tommy DeVito. If you give it up to the first overall pick now, okay. If you give it up to Bryce Young, (laughs) Oh, I thought you were talking about the Baker Mayfield part. Both are equally offensive. The Baker okay. Mayfield player of the week is just as offensive as Tommy DeFita. If you had to, Steven, if you were a defensive coordinator and you had to give up offensive player or conference player of the week to one of the three quarterbacks, DeVito, Baker, or Bryce, whom, whom would you choose? DeVito. Nobody <laughs> notices. Because it's DeVito. They're doing the Italian you know thing. They're making jokes. silly, right? Nobody notices. Yes. Everyone notices. They love this guy for whatever reason. Yeah, but they, they're focused on him. They're not focused on you. Baker Mayfield and Bryce Young, you let the 5'10 guy do this to you. I don't know. What, <laughs> what are you supposed to do against Justin Herbert and Josh Allen? Well, if you're Joe Barry, you don't even run into those quarterbacks. You Good question to ask if you're the Panthers, by the way. <laughs> drafting the guy <laughs> far enough in the postseason to, uh, uh, to actually encounter these quarterbacks. That's good yeah, point. the Barry thing is like, uh, it's a, it's a little bit of, okay, we thought we were going to be having this conversation in week nine. Instead, we're having it in week 15. And like, maybe that's a testament to like the talent that they drafted and developed. Like they've had these young corners out there since they traded Rasul and Jair Alexander and they've been successful with, uh, Corey Ballantyne and Carrington Valentine. Definitely two names that I get right all the time. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, right up at the front, they've been really successful. And so like, they've staved this off, but it's the same Joe Barry nonsense that it's always been. It's when, when they lose, they lose because of cushion and they lose because of, of, mm-hmm. of, of soft and, and generally scared play against quarterbacks who don't warrant it. And that is kind of the, uh, the look here for Bryce Young. Uh, actual belief in Bryce Young offense to do anything, though, even against Joe Barry? That feels like a stretch. No, I don't think it is because I think any quarterback can 
survive against that type of defense. And I think a quarterback like Bryce Young in particular, I think that is not attacking his weakness, which is making him uncomfortable and forcing him into scramble mode. I think he'll be fine. He'll be able to like throw five yard hitches all game long. Put it in the newspaper. Stephen believes in the Panthers. Stephen believes in Bryce Young. Keep pounding. Panthers fan Stephen. Stephen Ruiz excited for a good offensive performance from the Carolina Panthers. Uh, my Monday morning headline. Uh, the Sunday night game on Christmas Eve, which feels like it was supposed to be a banger, is Patriots at Broncos, which I would define as just decisively not a banger. Uh, however, my Monday morning headline is uh, Russ and Peyton cannot work together in 2024 because we had the little Bronco score touchdown on second and goal but then don't have the opportunity to challenge it because they hustle up to the line and they run a play on third and goal and then that probably also gets in but they don't challenge that one either and then they get to fourth and goal and then they can't run a play and then there's an offsides offensive offsides offensive procedural penalty and then it was but it was a very bad call it was an actually offsides it was the center's head and Sean Payton is screaming losing his mind at the refs I was at this game by the way Payton was going nuts it was sick he was so mad was on, like he's like past the numbers losing his mind was, yeah and then he as the camera's caught he gets to the sideline and he's peated at the refs and he can't yell at the refs anymore so he just turns to Russ and just starts laying into him just starts chopping at Russ and Russ is kind of there like I don't know what I did and then you know there's okay they, they demure after the game it's not a big deal I was angry and whatever talking about the process but the Peyton Russ thing like there was this moment of like the Broncos have won five games in a row. Like, Russ is fixed. And if you were watching this offense, you were like, nope. Like, they're just not. Like, they're running the ball and throwing screens. Like, and, and usually on a Russ offense, it's they're running the ball. They're throwing, uh, you know, little screens, throwing little underneath passes, and then throwing shots. They're not even getting shots done, really. They're getting DPIs, but, like, they're not actually connecting downfield besides, like, the occasional Cortland Sutton, I'm an absolute hero play. Like, this is there's supposed to be big plays to Marvin Mims in this offense and Jerry Judy in this offense, and they don't exist. Then like the they 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 do the little gadget plays, their constraint plays to the tight ends in the backs, and they ask like Adam Troutman and Samaje Pirine to create explosives for them. It's just like a terrible, terrible world to live in. Russ is bad on play action this year, which was supposed to be the only thing that always helped him, that always saved him. Like this is not working. It looks like it's working because of the record. It is not working in terms of what you actually watch on the field. Meanwhile, the Broncos' defensive performance, which was like, oh, well, that's really why they're winning a bunch of games. No, that's also not actually that. Like, they were had a ton of turnovers. Like, that also wasn't working. This is the third worst defense by success rate. If you try to take out the Dolphins game where they gave up 70 points, this is still the fourth worst defense by success. It's, it's still bad. It wasn't just all the Dolphins game. Uh, and specifically, they're really bad against the run, right? They're really, really liable to giving up explosive plays on the ground and losing to a ground and pound rushing attack. I would not be surprised. Okay. If the Bill Belichick Bailey Zappi Patriots win this game, I legitimately think that like Bill's going to look at this version of the Sean Payton offense, this version of Russ with 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 as good of a run defense. As the Patriots have as the best run defense in the league right now and be like, oh, yeah, I'm about to get this guy to 19 third and sevens. They have no chance. I think like we're going to be at the third quarter. It's going to be six to nothing. Patriots are winning and they're, they're, the game's going to stay that way. And I think that I think Belichick is about to drop like a classic on Russ and put it to a point where like Payton and Russ get fired up at one another again. And then after the game, instead of like, you know, oh, Broncos playoffs, which like a month ago looked like we were on that path, it's going to be like, oh, how do we get out of Russ's contract again? Because offensively, I think they're about to get pretty nastily embarrassed on Christmas Eve on a primetime game. I, I see something similar happening. 
And I, I, I'm with you. I, I think a lot of people thought Russ was playing better, but I think that little streak they had was a testament to Sean Payton's coaching and his offensive approach. But like you said, this offensive approach doesn't work. Our Sean Payton's ideal offensive approach just doesn't work with Russell Wilson at quarterback. You can't have this type of quarterback and run a Sean Payton offense. I just don't see it. And like, we've seen what they've had to be this year and it's worked and it's won some games for them. But like, this is not a viable plan. And I think this team and this game will be proof that coaching and like scheme, there's an expiration date on it. And you have to have the dudes, you have to have the quarterback and they don't have that. Nora, uh, Belichick saves, saves his job by beating Russ in Denver on <laughs> national television on Christmas Eve. Um, I'm, I wouldn't go quite that far, uh, but I'm interested in how this result will impact one of Steven's pet projects, which is the Sean Payton Coach of the Year candidacy. I gave that up last week. <laughs> Don't you remember? Who did I replace? Sean McVay has replaced Sean Payton as Coach of the Year. Dude. I, I think Ram, the Belichick Rams thing is done. Night, but how many points? How many turnovers? Bill Belichick saves his job. Zero points, three turnovers. Saves his job. I'm negotiating here, Nora. Work with me. Give me an offer. Any offer. Uh, zero points, four turnovers. There's a, there's a meeting of the upper levels of the craft organization during the week. Even that, I don't... I, I really just think it's done, but maybe that would give them something to think about. What if, yeah. what if, what if Russ bleeps his pants? <laughs> what if Mike Giardi's on? Well, field? it depends. Yeah. Which bleep are we talking about? That's what I was. That's what I was going to ask next. It's a, it's a very important question. I just, I just, I just have a vision in my head of this game, and and it is like again, it's like seven to nothing, six to nothing. The the uh, Russ is throwing three picks. Like, all right, they still have a chance to win this game, and just uh, a Belichick gets like a fourth quarter safety, right? Like they like sack him at the thirteen fumble ball bounces into the end zone a running back gets back on it they tackle the running back russ is just like laying on the ground at the 10 like he's not even in the play like terribly sad camera shot like he's just like horrible pathetic day and then the camera cuts to bill on the sideline expressionless just now just walking away from the safety just no no one around him nobody celebrating i'll just very quietly to myself like cornelius fudge in the ministry of magic i'll just be like he's back <laughs> bill He's a period. It's him. He's back. He's in, baby. He's back in his mode. Leave him as the coach. But they won't. I understand that. It makes me sad. All right. Steven and Nora, thank you so much for helping me out on Action Point Take today. I really appreciate it. Um, I was going to do the like, oh, tell the listeners where they can find your stuff. But you're on this feed. And so they got to be able to find it. If they can't right find you, that's here. on Yep. Uh, but no, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. You guys have a very happy holiday. Thank you. Likewise. Get better soon, Sheil. Alrighty, thank you again uh, to Stephen and Nora. Appreciate them coming on and helping me out. I did want to run through the extra point taken prediction game challenge. Uh, Shield sent me his picks earlier this week. He assures me uh, that he spent a lot of time thinking about them in a very uh, sober and non Tylenol affected mind. Uh, last week, each of us scored a point. Very sad week, if not for the fact that we uh, had a week earlier where neither one of us scored a point. This would have been the worst week of the season. Uh, Shields' only win was the 49ers spread against the Cardinals. My only win was Rams at home against the Commanders. Since Shield isn't here, I get to whine about my losses and nobody can stop me. I had Bears plus three against the Browns, man. They were up 17-7 in the fourth quarter. Lost that game by three, pushed. I had Eagles minus three. 
against Drew Locke. They're up four in the fourth quarter. They lost a game-winning Drew Locke touchdown. Lose that bet as well. Just, just the very, the saddest stuff. Unbelievable. The, 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 the things that I have to endure. And again, Shields not here uh, to correct me. On the season now, Shields at 46 points. I am at 42 points. Uh, we'll, we will continue this, obviously, into the postseason. We have three weeks of the regular season left. Might change it a little bit in the postseason when we have fewer games. But right now, still a very tight race. Shields picks for the week. Uh, he is locking the Packers minus four and a half at the Panthers, which I am also on, by the way. We share that one this week. He has Jaguars plus three at Bucks. When he sent me his picks, the Jaguars were plus three at Tampa. At the time, it was expected that Trevor Lawrence wouldn't play with a concussion. We've since learned on Friday he is practicing. Head coach Doug Peterson says better than a coin flip chance that he plays. So Shield might have some great closing line value there on Jaguars plus three at the Bucks, And then he likes Bills minus 12 and a half at the Chargers. Chargers, obviously, with a uh, interim coach, Shield's not not buying the bump there. His prop of the week is Jalen Warren over 44 and a half rushing yards. This is a Steelers Bengals. It's the four o'clock game on Saturday. Mason Rudolph, the new starting quarterback for the Steelers. I actually have a uh, same game parlay on the uh, FanDuel for this game. We have a ringer same game parlay on FanDuel. It's up at the top in the parlays tab. You can scroll through and find the picture. So I encourage everybody to hop on that one with me, make some money to start the holiday season. So Jalen Warren over 44 and a half rushing for Shield and his long shot is Taylor Heineke to have at least 225 passing yards. Falcons against the Colts. Falcons have uh, benched Desmond Ritter for the second time this season, and they're starting Taylor Heineke for the second time this season. Uh, and Shield thinks he's going to have a good day. 225-plus passing yards for his long shot. That's Shield. Me, my picks on the week to go through them quickly. Uh, I'm locking Browns minus two and a half on the road against the Texans. Texans expected to not have CJ Stroud, who's still in the concussion protocol for this game. I love the Browns defense ability to really hassle Case Keenum, with whom I was not impressed in his performance against the Titans. So Browns minus two and a half. I'm on the Packers, like I said, minus four and a half at the Panthers. Good get right spot, mouthwash spot, beat up on a bad Panthers team. I know we talked about this earlier with Steven and the potential for a Joe Berrying to happen, but I like the Packers here as the more talented team. And then Patriots, my headline, plus six and a half. I think this is such a low-scoring game. I think it's such a stinky game. And if you're going to give me a, a, a game where there's going to be 24, 27 total points scored, that's what I'm thinking, then inherently plus six and a half. I'm going to like it a lot as, as the underdog there. So Patriots plus six and a half. That is the uh, Sunday night game, Christmas Eve, eight o'clock at the Broncos. My prop of the week, A.J. Brown, over 75 and a half receiving yards. He is the Eagles' target against man coverage. The Giants are a very uh, healthy man coverage team. They're in quite a lot of man. Uh, and A.J. is the one thing right now about this offense that's working. All the A.J. funnel targets are, are warranted, right? I think they're going to continue to hammer him, get him easier targets, get him yards after the catch, let A.J. kind of solve the offensive problems for them. So I like A.J. over 75 and a half. And then my long shot of the week, the Bears. Minus four and a half at home right now against the Cardinals. I'm jacking that line up to minus seven and a half plus 154 at home against the Cardinals. Bears have been playing like a playoff team the last month, man. I love their matchup into a Cardinals team that I think is banged up on, on defense. Won't be able to slow down fields in that rushing attack. Defensively, I think the Bears have proven that they're made a pretty staunch stuff since the Montez Sweat trade. I like them with a big win against the Cardinals. Uh, minus seven and a half for my long shot. So me, Browns minus two and a half. Packers minus four and a half. Patriots plus six and a half. Bears minus seven and a half on the long shot. And AJ over 75 and a half receiving yards. Those are my picks. Those were Shields picks. I have my uh, ringer same game parlay, which will be available for you in the FanDuel app already produced and ready to go. We are ready to start the holiday season right with a nice win. And so if you are betting on FanDuel, check out the same game parlay tabs at the top and you'll be able to find the ringer same game parlay from me for Bengals at Steelers.
Uh, and that's our episode. Thank you so much to everyone who listens. A very Merry Christmas to all of our, our expats out there, all of our Extra Point Taking listeners. We so very much appreciate it. We hope you have a great holiday season. A Merry Christmas to Clifford Augustine for producing this episode. A Merry Christmas to Edward Ocampo for his uh, social video help on this episode. A very Merry Christmas to Arjuna Ramgopal and Connor Nevins for their additional production supervision. You will hear uh, next on this feed, a dual threat. Nora and Steven, you heard him today. You'll hear him again Monday morning, Christmas morning. A little gift under the tree for you. Their podcast after all the Sunday games. And then Sheila and I will be back on Tuesday morning, our podcast after all the Monday games. We will talk to you then. Have a very happy holiday. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9 with it in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New